Hi, everybody. This is Jim Ford. And I'm Jackie Nodell. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 22. Okay, episode 22. This is this is a big episode. This is going to be our Blackest Night number two episode. But more importantly, we have a guest host, Jackie Nodell. Hello. Yes. Hi, Jackie. Yes. Hi. Okay. How's it going, Jim? I'm I'm doing great. <laughs> uh, there's not going to be any Good. Dan on this episode. Uh, Dan was too afraid to uh, show up. Oh no. <laughs> I hope I didn't scare him off. No, I'm just kidding. He had work. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, why don't you tell everybody who you are? Okay. Well, um, I guess you probably want to hear why I'm on Lantern Pass, not just who I am. And you know, <laughs> I'm just a girl. And yeah. No. Um, I I hear because my grandfather, uh, who is now. Um, has passed away. Martin O'Dell uh, created the original Green Lantern, um, Alan Scott, and so I was approached by these fine gentlemen at Lantern Cast to be a guest host and talk about, you know, kind of my views on Green Lantern and comics in general. So that is why I'm here and who I am. And I also do some comic book stuff myself. I'm actually, um, during the, my day job, I'm a historian. I'm a curator at a museum. Um, so I've, I would love to work at a comic book museum, but there's not too many of those. Um, so I kind of have my own little comic book museum, but in the form of a blog. And I focus on romance comics of 1960s and 70s, and that is called Sequential Crush. Very nice. I've actually checked that out myself. Oh, excellent. Good, yes. good. So we'll talk more about that stuff later on. Cool. Before we go into the Blackest Night number two discussion, I have a few questions. Okay, so like, your grandfather created Green Lantern. Yes. I mean, he, al <laughs> he also created the Pillsbury Doughboy, but we'd rather talk about the uh, the Green Lantern aspect. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes, since this is Lantern Cast, that would be appropriate. Yes, well, we'll create a spin-off podcast called the Pillsbury Doughboy Cast, and uh, we'll have you yeah. on to talk about that <laughs> another time. Okay. But until then, yeah, how, what is that like growing up with a relative that created, like, you know, this amazing, iconic character? <laughs> well, you know, I don't know if I was really aware of it until I was, hmm, maybe like in middle school, like I knew, and I knew, you know, my grandmother always wore green and like <laughs> green high heels and people probably remember her if they met Carrie at uh, conventions. But, you know, for me, when I was little, going to comic book conventions was just a time um, to spend, you know, time with my grandfather and my grandmother and you know, to go swimming at the hotel pool. Um, <laughs> and I always knew that there was a ready supply of comic books and trading cards for boys in my classes when I was in elementary school. They'd always kind of, like, take orders. Like, I'd be like, hey, so what kind of comic books do you need? You know, I'm going to this show. And I didn't really know sort of the magnitude um, until I was a little bit older. But I always, you know, thought it was cool that we had, you know, comics and all that kind of stuff around. But yeah. So you would say that, like, growing up in that kind of an atmosphere definitely led to your having an interest in comics later on? Oh, definitely. Um, I don't think I... Uh, you know, I probably wouldn't have an interest otherwise just because I probably wouldn't wouldn't have been exposed to it. Um, and oh, I have oh, four sisters and two brothers, and I'm actually the only one that likes comic books, really? interestingly enough. So I feel it's kind of my duty to sort of carry the torch or, I guess, the lantern, right, <laughs> of liking comics <laughs> in my family. Yeah. So that's interesting. That's so... In that kind of an atmosphere, like, you you definitely ate it all up. You got into comics, but all oh, yeah. your siblings, none of them were interested in it. 
no, no. Um, none of them have really any interest. <laughs> so I am also just into pop culture in general. Right. Um, probably more so than the rest of them. So that probably didn't help. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, you know, like, did your grandfather, like, talk about it a lot? Or, you know, was that just kind of like something that was there, but he didn't bring it up that much or what? Well, you know, they, when I was little, um, my grandparents lived in Florida because he had already been retired for, you know, since before I was born. And um, so I only saw my grandparents at comic book conventions. And so, you know, of course it was brought up and after the shows we'd, you know, sit in the hotel room and um, he would always be doing commissions. So, and I remember I would, you know, be real close watching him do all his commissions and drawing. And um, I would always have him draw for me. Um, I would, I was always like into ballet when I was little. So I'd always make him draw me um, ballet shoes. And I didn't like how he drew them because they weren't, you know, real realistic enough. They're too cartoony. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so the Green Lantern, it was always there in comics. Um, but it wasn't, I don't know, it's just, I just, when you grow up with something, you don't really, you know, pay attention to it too much. It was just the time that I spent with him that I really enjoyed. And I thought it was cool that he was an artist. And, um, you know, I always wanted to draw, and I would try to draw, but fortunately I didn't get that gene. But But you got the writing gene. Yeah, yeah. He, I I don't think he ever really wrote anything, um, but, yeah, I write and, you know, do history, and I um, have lettered book. Um, so that's about, you know, my artistic contributions to comics. I wish I could draw. Someday I'm like, I wish I could just go to art school and, you know, learn how to draw, but probably not in the cards for me. Well, as far as the, the writing goes, because, as you said, you do have a blog. Um, yep. Like, as far as that goes, like, would you ever have an interest in, you know, doing fiction or, you know, some sort of thing in the comic book field later on? Oh, definitely. I haven't really written too much fiction other than, you know, courses I've taken. Um, pretty much stuck to writing nonfiction. Um, but my boyfriend and I are kind of, he's, actually a comic book artist, um, and we've been toying around doing, kind of bringing back romance, and he would draw it, and I would write it. Um, so we're toying with that right now. So I would definitely love to write something and kind of make that foray into uh, fiction. That would be interesting. We don't really have that too much, you know, in the industry right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how to go about doing that or, you know, when, but, you know, maybe someday. So, bring back romance and with a modern spin, so. Very cool, very cool. So, I guess, uh, going back to your grandfather, like, as you you say that you, you only got to really see him when you went to comic conventions and things like that, you know, like, was there, like, an awareness as far as, you know, did how, I guess what I'm trying to say is, how much did he hold on to, you know, the fact that he created Green Lantern? Like, how much of that was a part of him? Um, I think he himself was pretty nonchalant about it. He was just kind of like, yep, yep, I created Green Lantern. Um, my grandmother was more, I think, vocal uh, as far as, you know, she'd be like, oh, you know, do, do you tell people who you are and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and because I was always kind of shy about it, you know, at conventions, I would never really, you know, want to tell anyone or, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but, yeah, I I think he was, for the most part, you know, sort of just pretty, you know, accepting of the fact that he had done it and, um I think he he actually started off as an actor, and he I also had yeah you know, 
ballet and I did acting and um, for a long time into high school and, and college. And he would always want to talk to me about that. He never, you know, really wanted to talk too much about comics. So, you know, I think just seeing the grandkids a couple times a year, you know, he, you know, I don't think he definitely wasn't, you know, very into himself or anything like that. So, it, you know, he would definitely answer questions um, someone asked, but he would never really bring it up. Okay, I see that. Yeah, I remember the first time that I actually, you know, decided to go and seek out who he actually was, was a bunch of years ago. I remember going on eBay, and I guess back in the 90s, they sold a Green Lantern ring. And, or they, yep. gave it, they gave it away free with comic books. And I'd always see, yeah. like, the one, like, that, that he would sign. Yep, the big yeah. plastic one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, like, I always wonder, it's like, who is this guy? Who is this guy? Yeah. Because <laughs> at, that, at that time, like, my, the extent of my knowledge of Green Lantern was Ron Mars, who was currently writing the book, and I had no idea the history. And so I, I actually, yeah. I went in and I, uh, I checked it out, and, uh, I found out, yeah, that he, you know, he created Green Lantern. And, like, it's not something that he shared with anybody. He actually created him solely by himself. Yeah. Well, um, you know, every a lot of people say, oh, co-creator or, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and Bill Finger, he was the writer, um, definitely brought in very early. And... You know, I, being a historian, like, without having any documents, like, you know, it's hard to kind of speculate, you know, what happened. And I've only heard things, you know, sort of hearsay. So I would love to, you know, sort of, you know, get, like, exact dates of when all this happened. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I get, you know, people say co-creator, and I definitely think he was, you know, the artist, and I don't, and I think without, you know, Mart, uh, you know, I don't think Green Lantern would probably be with us today. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say that he, he was he was the creator. That, that that's yeah. I mean, with. I say he's the creator. <laughs> it usually is written co-creator, but I I go with creator also because you know, whoever has the idea seems like they're the creator. So yeah, well, yeah, as uh, to give. Bill Finger his due, like, definitely he did give the stories to Green Lantern, but, like, the idea of the character himself, I, I'd say, was pretty much squarely on your grandfather. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, he's inspired by seeing the train guy and with the lantern, and uh, it's, it's a pretty cool story. I do always remember, you know, him telling me that when I was little how he thought of it, and I always thought that was really cool. Very cool. Okay, so now we have you on as a guest host of the Lantern Cast, and we are going to do a review of Blackest Night number two. Okay. Now, you are not that up on the current Green Lantern mythos, would you say? Oh, yeah, I'm not. I'm kind of, I've definitely read Golden Age stories and lots of Silver Age stories, but as far as new stuff goes, I don't tend to read a whole lot of new comics anyway, so I try to pick up stuff, you know, when I can, and, you know, so I'm not that experienced with Green Lantern, so it was, you know, reading issue one and sort of, you know, figuring out everything, and then issue two, you know, I think was very much like a continuation of the sort of introduction of the story. And I should say, I missed, I, I believe, you know, it kind of started with that free comic book day, the Green Lantern Zero. Right. And I missed that. So I probably need to go back and read that. But... It, it, it does give a little bit of uh, the backup information. But yeah, yeah. Like, what, what would you say, like, from, you know, prompted you to go out and get this series after not really going for, like, the, the Green Lantern series itself? Um, well, I just kind of heard, you know, it was, like, going to be super big, and I was getting back into the Green Lantern 
has been sort of, you know, at the forefront of my mind with the movie coming up and all that stuff. Um, I, I always, you know, I never, I don't know why I never read it. Um, you know, when I was little, I was reading, you know, more girl comics like Archie and I read Akiko and all that. Um, so I, I never, I didn't really, um, you know, grow up with the reading all the continuity of sort of the nineties, uh, Green Lantern and all that. Um, but now reading this Blackest Night, it really does make me want to go back and like read just everything I can. So, you know, I'm not lost. Like I definitely know what's going on, but it seems like, you know, having the full knowledge, you know, just makes for a richer experience. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I definitely see what you're saying. So I'm going yeah. to uh, I'm going to give a quick synopsis of Blackest Night number two, and then uh, we'll sure. discuss it in a little bit of detail. S- issue starts out with a couple of small scenes with the Atom and Commissioner Gordon, and uh, all of a sudden Hal Jordan smashes into the bat signal, and then we have a quick transition to Aqualad and Mera visiting Aquaman's grave on land, only to find that he has risen as a Black Lantern. Then we transition again. Dead Man, the character Boston Brand, is at his grave when all of a sudden his body is brought back as a Black Lantern, but his spirit as Dead Man is still kind of just floating around there, or disconnected from the Black Lantern Dead Man. Then uh, basically the rest of the issue just features a battle with uh, the Black Lantern's Aquaman. Aqua Girl and Dolphin against Aqualad, Mera, and a few Atlanteans. And uh, Aqualad kind of loses that fight as he gets turned into a Black Lantern. We switch over, we see the Spectre, Crispus Allen, getting turned into a Black Lantern and wanting Hal Jordan back. And then we go to Hal Jordan and Barry Allen as they're fighting Martian Manhunter. They kind of use fire to try and take him out, but have no effect whatsoever. And Martian Manhunter then kind of comes out of the smoke, leading Hawkman, Hawkgirl, Ralph and Sue Dibney, and Ronnie Raymond Firestorm. And that's where the issue ends. What'd you think? Um, I liked it. I It seemed really sh- a lot shorter than the first one. Yeah. And it went by, like, really fast. Um, and I thought it was interesting. I didn't know too much about um, Aquaman. So I feel like the bulk of the story focused on him and Mera. Um, so it was kind of fun learning about them. Um, I, I really like the art. Um, I really like there's a part where these sharks come out of the water. Yeah. I, I don't know. That visually is really cool. And also when uh, Hal does smash into the bat signal, and that's kind of uh, the title page, It really, it's really, I think, effective um, as far as just showing how dynamic this book, you know, is. Absolutely. Yeah, we have Ivan Reese doing the, uh, the pencils on this, and like you said, it is just awesome. Uh, what you said about the, uh, the sharks coming out of the water... Like, I think that is, like, a very important scene because it's almost like they're kind of setting Aquaman up to, like, show that he's not a pushover and that he can call upon, like, deadly animals to come and attack you. Yeah. I didn't realize, you know, how how powerful uh, he was because you don't really think of Aquaman being so (laughs) powerful. But... (laughs) But yeah, what did you think of it? Oh, I did I you like it overall? Liked it a lot, yeah, definitely. Like like you said, I think this one definitely read a lot faster than the first one. But uh, no, it was good. I, I I enjoyed the Aquaman scene. I don't know that they needed to give that much room to it because like the whole Spectre scene was like fantastic, and it might have been cooler to see like yeah. more of the the magical characters. Uh huh. Uh huh. But, um... Yeah, I think it definitely seemed like it's still kind of, um, you know, setting up. So I think it's eight issues. 
correct, the whole series is going to be eight issues. Uh, yes. So maybe, you know, the next one, um, it still it still sounds to me like they're really introducing um, what was going to happen. And I, I did like the little sort of incense of the Black Lantern saying, like, power levels. Yes. Um, the percentages. I thought those were a nice touch. Yeah, actually, one of our board members on our forum, Corwin, he actually made like a really cool discovery as far as with this book and all of the Green Lantern tie-in books and other Blackest Night tie-in books, you can kind of tell where they take place as far as the whole continuity of things by looking at the percentages that keep going up on the Black Lantern powers. Ah, very cool. So that is that is a great tip yeah. right there. Yeah, another thing I, I liked about the book, I mean, it's not actually part of the story, but they have that Blackest Night checklist. And I'm like, shoot, too bad I didn't see that before I started reading this. <laughs> and, you know, it has all the ones you're supposed to read, I guess, in order. So the Green Lantern 43, the prologue, and then Blackest Night 1. So now I have to go back and Oh, so you're going to actually try and go out and get all the different parts? Um, I might try to. It might take a while. Um, and, you know, just as far as time. So it probably won't be by, like, oh, next week. <laughs> yeah. Eventually. And I should have done that, you know, when I was uh, in Chicago for the convention. Because it probably <laughs> would have been easier. Because I'm actually, like, an hour away from a comic book store. So <laughs> it might take me a little while. But. Yeah, right. Yeah, like, uh, me and Dan, we we are reading, like, everything, just across the boards. So, I can kind of tell you that the Blackest Night Tales of the Cores, like, that mm -hmm. whole three-issue miniseries, that's not necessary to understand Blackest Night, but it does give you a little bit of backstory to the actual different colored cores that are going to be taking place. Yeah, yeah. So. No, I, I think, you know, it is... I definitely have, you know, probably more familiarity with, you know, these, the DC universe than just, like, the average person. Probably not as much as you, of course. Um, but it is a little, I would say, maybe a little daunting for someone who's just picking up, you know, this. If they're like, oh, I'm going to get into comic books today, and, you know, this is the book I'm going to pick up. Like, probably not the best for someone, you know, just getting into comics. Right. But... But yeah. I'm sure, you know, these are, I don't know, titles that, you know, people are really into and um, read, you know, continuously, so. Yeah. I think with, with Blackest Night, from, from what I'm seeing, somebody could read this from issue one to issue eight, and as long as you don't, you know, like, start kind of trying to question, okay, who's this and who's this and who's this, and you just kind of accept that they're characters and that, you know, this is the way they act and, you know, that kind of uh -huh. thing, then you can actually enjoy it from start to finish with just those eight issues. But yeah. I think, yeah, like, once yeah, you start, you know, questioning, you know, okay, well, okay, yes, he's Green Lantern, but how did he become Green Lantern? Well, I mean, obviously you have to go back and, you know, research that kind of stuff. Right. Right. Definitely. I do also, I really like throughout the story, um, they have um, the statues, the memorial statues, like in the graveyards, and yes. I don't know, I really like those, those are very cool. <laughs> it, it definitely helps, I'll say that. Yeah, it does, you know, because we have the name on there, and, you know, just having the sort of uh, image of them, and I think those kind of give away, you know, some information, like the Abin Sir one, uh, you know, has, uh, you know, some information on it. So for someone who's just getting into it, it's helpful, those little hints. And just to, you know, go a little further in depth with those uh, those statues, one particular scene that, like, was very, very interesting, and I think this is going to have, you know, a, a big impact on the future of Blackest Night, or at least a clue to what what's going on, when the Black Rings are going after Don Hall, who is uh, Dove from Hawk and Dove, that duo, the Black uh -huh. Rings, like, they can't get to him. Like, they're, they're like, sh bouncing up off some sort of shield and saying, Don Hall of Earth at peace. 
Yeah. So like, it's it's very very interesting that you know especially the, like right next to him, Hawk, is being you know brought back to life, and everywhere else, tons and tons of characters are being brought back, but here's the first one that we see that you know they're act actively trying to recruit him, and it's just not going. It's just not happening. Right. Yeah, I think, you know, stuff like that really, it's, it is a really multi-layered story. You know, I, I read it twice, actually, and definitely noticed, you know, some things the second time around. Um, so I think it would be, you know, fun. It's one of those things where you wouldn't just want to read it once. You'd want to read it again. Definitely. You'd enjoy it, you know, definitely. a couple times. I do like the whole, like, zombie thing, <laughs> which I wasn't expecting. So, that's yeah. cool. We have, right in the beginning, the Adam is talking to, or he's trying to call Hawkman, who has already been turned into a Black Lantern in the first issue, and he tells the Adam to come right over. Now, the Adam has the ability to, like, travel places through the phone lines. Right. So... Conceivably, like, after he says, I'll be right there, like, within the next second or so, he's going to be there. Right. Which makes me wonder, because at the very last page, you have, you know, this whole group of, you know, Justice Leaguers, Hawkman, Hawkgirl, and there's no Adam on that page. There's not. Unless he's really small and can't see him, right? Right. <laughs> But yeah, I don't, I don't see him. Yeah, he is not on that page, which is interesting. So, what happened to him? Yes. Well, you see, that's that's gonna, I think, play a big part as far as like, did he? Because you know, if he has the ability to shrink down super fast, then they're not really gonna be able to rip out his heart. Right. So. True. I think he'll be like, you know, one of the leaders of the resistance in this whole kind of thing. Okay. What did you think of the, like, you know, after the, the last page, they kind of have the Black Hand's diary? Yeah. Um, I read that. I I wasn't quite sure, just because I'm not familiar. I was like, oh, no, am I supposed to know, like, you know, what this is from exactly? Um, I mean, it was very poetic, and it was a very interesting, you know, little kind of story, um, but, and kind of talking about, you know, it gives you sort of this feel of, like, New Orleans type of, you know, place with the caskets, and, um, I mean, it does make you think of just these bodies coming up, and, um, so it does fit into the story that way, just these, like, unsettled souls, um, which, you know, seems what the, um, the Black Lanterns are. So I'm not sure, you know, I don't know where it kind of fit in, but it was a nice touch. as just like a text story. Yeah. Like you said, it, it was, you know, it did have a fairly poetic feel to it. The thing that I got out of it was the, you know, the story of Hawkman and Hawkgirl. And... Uh-huh. Okay. Like, I'm not yep. that familiar with them. But it, it kind of seems like after after the last issue, I kind of got a whole new respect for Hawkman and Hawkgirl, like I never have had before. You know, like yeah. I've never yeah. I've never understood them. I never got their whole purpose. And and after reading that, it's like all of a sudden it's like, hey, these are actually interesting characters. Yeah, there is that one image in this uh, sort of poetic part of two characters embracing and you know they don't have the wings but you know you can kind of guess it's them that's um, actually but yeah. um that, that that's the the bodies at the center of the star sapphire battery ah yes it is okay i just yeah i saw that oh but that's, i like that that's pretty but it is interesting <laughs> that yeah it's it's cool that they kind of like like in the the romance between Hawkman and Hawkgirl as, you know, very similar to that kind of love. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a sad sort of, yeah, 
sad little um, story, mm. romance tale. <laughs> yeah. Almost kind of like, you know, it, it, after this whole Blackest Night thing is over, it's like I'm kind of wondering, like, what direction they're actually going to take Hawkman and Hawkgirl, if they're even, you know, if they're alive or if they're still Black Lanterns or, or what. I'm, I'm curious about that. Yeah, that would be cool. I I think, I don't know, just visually, I've always really loved Hawkman. I think he's really just, um, just cool looking. I don't know. <laughs> Sexy even, a little bit. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Plus, I like the whole museum thing, because, you know, I work in a museum. So right, yes. I've always liked that. So that's, that's what attracts me. But... Uh, <laughs> No, no, I get that. So, and then there was also, um, at the very back, that Superman sort of preview. Oh, yes. Superman and Secret Origin. Yeah. Yeah, when Which I first... very short. When, when I first heard about this, this is like just a preview of, you know, the comic that will be coming out. But when I first heard about this, I was kind of like, you know, eh, I don't need to see that. And I, I kind of dig the preview, so I'll probably be picking that up now, too. Yeah, yeah, I like it too. So yeah, I'll probably, you know, check into that when it comes out. So, yeah, I guess the only other point to really, you know, go into on this was the whole issue of Dead Man. Because, like, mm -hmm. here, the character Dead Man is just, like, a spirit that just kind of, like, you know, floats around. He goes into other people's bodies. He can possess them. And that's that's him that's his spirit and yeah they're bringing back his body but his spirit is still disconnected from it uh, yeah so which which Jackie by the way like we have a habit of kind of like reading like really really far into this stuff <laughs> See, yeah I'm not really familiar with dead man so um but yeah but, I mean, like, just, like, the fact that that happened, like, it's it's good because, like, it's almost like they're kind of trying to demonstrate, like, okay, well, here's a character who his entire role in the DC Universe is a spirit. And we're bringing back his dead body, but his, mm -hmm. his, his spirit is still out there. So, like, yeah. you know, it's, it's kind of making us wonder, like, okay, well, for the rest of the Black Lanterns, like the Martian Manhunter, is his spirit attached to the Martian Manhunter, or is it just, like, a reanimated body, like, kind of like a puppet? Yeah. Now, do you think their spirits will be able to go into, you know, other characters, or ones who are living? I don't, I don't know. You know, like... The, the fact that, it, like, if, if what they're saying is that, okay, all these Black Lanterns are just puppets, and, uh -huh. you know, like, their, their spirits are somewhere else, or, you know, they've passed on, or whatever, and that they're just being controlled by some giant puppet master that kind of, like, knows what their personality is to some effect, right. so that it can kind of, like, you know, mimic it, uh -huh. then, then, like you know, you kind of have to figure that at least some characters are going to get resurrected after this whole thing is over. Yeah. So, like, you know, you got to wonder, okay, well, where are the spirits? What's going on? Right, and it'll be interesting if they do resurrect them to see if they, like, remember or have an awareness yeah, definitely. of what happened. That would be really interesting to see. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely a good point. And, yeah, just, like, to wonder if there's actually going to be any Black Lanterns after this is all over, you know, uh -huh. is another big thing. So, right, right. So. Yeah, if it'll continue or... Yeah, it was cool seeing the, um, all the different shirts in San Diego. Everyone had, you know, the... the Green Lantern and Black Lantern and you know Orange Lantern and all of that. Um, so I that kind of built the anticipation, you know, to see what this is all about. Oh yeah. What 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 would you say you saw more shirts of? Oh, 
I think I saw the yellow. Probably the yellow. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. I think I saw a lot of yellow lantern ones. But yeah, and I know people he were talking about like if they had gotten because they were doing like a drawing for figures. Yes. I think people were trying to get all of them, and so it was fun like hearing people come up to the table I was at and be like, "Oh, I got this one and this one, and you know, didn't get this one, but yeah, so that was cool." Yeah, actually, our program director Jason he got a full set. And he actually got a red one and an orange one for me. Oh wow! Nice. Yeah. So I, I got to find other ones on like eBay or something. <laughs> like those those things are just like they're beautiful. They're really really cool looking. Yeah, I didn't even get to see them, so <laughs> I don't know. No one no one showed me them. They just uh, you know we're talking about them. So. Yeah. Let's take a uh, a quick little break. And then we will come back with your plugs, if you will. Okay. Okay? Awesome. Okay, we'll be right back. Hey, this is Dan Kersky for Not Quite Radio. Here we talk about comics, movies, and video games. That's right, Rob, and our psychic is a mechanical gopher named Stabby. Jeremy, shut up. A lot of times, though, we go off topic and talk about what stupid things celebrities are doing. Why can't I talk? If you had something interesting to say, then you could speak. So check out Not Quite Radio on iTunes or notquiteradio.lipson.com. And just don't... Get out. Just get out. Hi, everybody. We are back from break, and... Hello. Yes. Uh, Jackie, why don't you tell us about the comic that you letter? Yeah, well, I lettered a four-issue series for entertainment called Superhuman Resources. It's written by Ken Marcus and drawn by Dustin Bleep. And it's the title's pretty self-explanatory. It's about um, the Human Resources Department of the Super Team, sort of like, uh, you know, Justice League. And basically, there's these normal sort of, you know, normal people, like you and me, I suppose, um, who work in the office and have to work with the superheroes. And they do all the superheroes, like payroll and purchase orders and, you know, that sort of thing. So it kind of combines the mundane with the extraordinary. Um, so our the four inches already came out, um, and the trade should be in stores now. Um, it came out in August. Um, so the Four issue trade paperback it should be in the stores now. And is there a website and for that? There is. It is comic.com And um, there's a little sort of animated trailer you can watch for that. Um, and unfortunately, we, um, Justin, the artist, and I, we sold pretty much every single copy we had in San Diego and Chicago. So we personally don't have any more, um, but your comic book store, you know, if you check with them or ask them um, to reorder it, should have it. So Very cool. So if they want the trade, they have to just kind of like hunt it down. Yeah, you should still have them in your comic book store if they ordered it. Um, people were telling us they found things on eBay. Um, I don't know. We may do a second print run. We're kind of you know, seeing, and we may do a second series. We're not really sure yet. Um, but I had great fun lettering it. It was my first time um, lettering anything. So I kind of learned as I went, um, and I was really happy that Ken and the writer and Justin um, sort of let me letter it. Um, I, I thought it was really fun lettering it, and I would love to, you know, if they do a second series to letter it again. My first entry into you know, actually being creative in the comic book field. So. Right. Was there a would you say a, like a learning curve as far as you know doing the lettering? Oh yeah. Well, when I first, it kind of took us a while to put the series together. And when I was first doing it, I was finishing up um, my master's and finishing up my thesis. So, and plus working full time, um, and so. It really, it was a learning curve, and also toward the last two issues, I had finished 
school. So I, I think it definitely improves. Like issues three and four are definitely my best. But I definitely, um, Justin taught me how to do it. Um, and it's all digital. I did an illustrator. Um, but I really, I love doing it. I was actually really sad like when I lettered the, the last page. It's like, oh, no, it's over. What am I going to do now? <laughs> so... So, like, well, one more question that I have as far as that goes, when you're lettering, because I had a, a webcomic that I would kind of letter, and it was all just, like, you know, haphazard, and I had no idea how to actually do it. When you're lettering, like, a, a full comic book like that, do you, or like, are you reading each panel as you do it, or is it just kind of like, you know, like, does it become automatic? Yeah, well, I have the script, and I would... Um, I wouldn't like, retype it out. I would copy and then it from the script and then put it into um, Illustrator. And I um, read it just because it is a super funny book, and I was laughing out loud when I did it. Um, but actually, I lettered it sort of out of order. I didn't letter it like continuous pages. Right. I would randomly skip around and I don't think there was any like method to my madness I would just like today I feel like page nine and tomorrow I'm going to do page 17 I don't <laughs> there was no and I would kind of like leave the hard stuff till the end and then um, I would do all the easy pages first um, so I guess there was a little bit of method and then I would finish up with like save the hard the really hard stuff that would I knew would make me like frustrated and um, but I'm sort of a perfectionist, so some, yeah, at first it really took me a long time, but I definitely got faster. Yeah. say I'm pretty fast at it now. Very cool. And you have a yeah. blog. I do. It is called Sequential Crush, um, and it is about 1960s and 70s romance comics, which is my pretty much favorite um, genre of comic books. And I look at the industry history, so the creators of it, but also just sort of what was going on, you know, in American culture at the time, the 60s and 70s. And I also look at the ads, and there's a lot of great advice columns, and a lot of them were set up sort of like teen magazines. Um, so there's all different features. There's beauty advice and diet advice, and I look at all of that. And, but mostly because it's oh, really beautiful. So, yeah, it's um, www.sequentialcrush.blogspot.com. And I only right now I get to post about, mm, about three times a week. I wish I could do it every day, but with working, you know, that gets hard. So. But hopefully, as I I'm also get faster at that, you know, you kind of get into a rhythm when you're doing a blog like that. So I'm getting into the rhythm of it, and I'm I'm really enjoying it. And I've actually met a lot of people from doing it. I met people online, and then I saw you know a ton of people in San Diego and in Chicago. And it was really awesome meeting people who are also into romance comics. So yeah, I have a question about the the romance blog that you do because I have checked it out myself. And sure, like. The coolest thing that I that I see is checking out the covers for these books because like they always have these yeah. brilliant covers where it's like you know oh I love him but I can't do this but maybe I could and you know does he actually love me and I don't know it's just like it just it pulls you in immediately. It does. It does. And when I buy them, I really I do judge a book on its cover. <laughs> I. You know, I picked the ones with the pretty covers, at least when I was first starting to collect them. And now I'm kind of, you know, getting into having full runs of titles. Um, so I'm just kind of, and I don't even go for that, like, bit of condition because I want to read them and be able to, you know, actually open them and touch them and, you know, that sort of thing. So I get, like, good, you know, good reading copies. Um, but the covers are, they're gorgeous. I love them. I wish I could make t-shirts out of, like, all of them and wear them every single day. They are just so beautiful. But 
for somebody like me, like, I don't get to go to that many conventions, and the conventions that I do go mm -hmm. to are usually, like, bigger ones where they don't have a lot of comics or comic bins like, you know, like that where I would find romance comics. So, right. I mean, like, you right. know, when you, when you go to a convention or when you are looking for these issues, like, are they expensive? Are they cheap? You know, do they have collections? Yeah, um, you know, usually I kind of do an overview of what the dealer has, and I just kind of look. And then, you know, they're you know, most of them are very friendly. They're like, oh, you know, what are you looking for? And I'm oh, looking for uh, romance comics from the 1960s and 70s. And um, they, a lot of them will say, oh, you know what, I didn't bring my romance comics. Uh, a lot of them don't bring them to shows because they don't think they'll sell. Um, but the ones that do bring them, um, in Chicago, there's this one dealer, um, I forget his last name, his first name's Bruno, he's from uh, Montreal, and he had three long boxes full of 60s and 70s um, romance comics, which was great for me. Um, and they, the range that I'm buying are, oh, like, I usually think $6 is, like, a really good buy, but I'll pay up to, like, 15 And then for the hundred, the later, in the later 70s, the DC 100-page um, specials, those are a bit more expensive. And the range of what dealers, you know, charge for those is pretty great. I mean, some will charge, you know, for, in, when they're in good condition, they're, like, $100, um, so, but I, I don't spend anywhere near that. Um, I actually got some of the 100-page specials. They were a little, you know, on the for-loved um, side. Um, but I got them for, like, $12, $15. Um, so I'm more interested in getting, you know, a vast quantity of them now. And then the Charlton ones usually tend to be less expensive than the DC and Marvels. So those are good because there are so many titles. So I've been stocking up on those also. Very cool. But I think if someone's not going to shows, um, you know, like eBay would probably be your best bet to find books. Because um, not all, you know, dealers will bring them. So. And, and one, yeah. yeah, one last question. These, the stories in these romance comics, because, like, if I see a cover where it's just like, okay, I have to read this, I have to know what it is. Like, what are the, what's the mm -hmm. likelihood that that whole story is going to be in that issue? Usually the covers um, have something to do with the interior stories. Sometimes, you know, it, it's exactly. The cover, you know, is sort of transplanted exactly into the story. Other times, they'll be the same sort of image, but it'll be a different girl. Oddly enough, like on the cover, she'll have long blonde hair, and on the inside, she'll have short black hair or something. <laughs> but a lot of times, I just uh, looked at one other day um, for the 40th anniversary of Woodstock, and on the cover, um, the girl's like, oh no, Robin, um, that was her boyfriend, and he's making out with um, a girl, a different girl. And in the, in the interior, you see him holding this girl in her arms, in his arms, but he never actually kisses this girl. And then later you find out that he was a medic and this girl had passed out. So definitely the covers are, you know, a little sometimes misleading and more sensational and more dramatic, you know, to kind of lure the reader in. But I haven't been disappointed, really. A lot of the interiors are really good, too. Not all. You know, there are some stories that you know, are just kind of like, meh, you know, but a lot of them are really good. <laughs> I'm going to have to uh, definitely get suggestions from you at some point for, uh, like, an intro. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> awesome. See, yeah, try and see if my fiancé will uh, check them out also. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it's strange, strangely enough, since I've been doing this blog, um, most of the people who seem to be interested in romance comics are males. So, I don't know if it's because of the pretty girls or what. Um, but, as far as, like, girls my age, um, big into them, I really haven't found too many. 
which I think is kind of funny. So. Yeah, I've tried everything else, so I figure why not romance comics? Yeah, you should. I think you'll like them. So, okay. You have anything else that you want to uh, kind of pimp out? No, that's about it for what I'm doing right now. Um, so check out the blog, Sexual Crush, and Superhuman Resources. That's about it for me. Very cool. And for the Lantern Cast, let's see. If you want to contact us, you can write us at lanterncast at gmail.com. We have a website, lanterncast.com, where you can find a link to our forums on thecomicforums.com. Just scroll on down to Lanterncast or use the link on the webpage. And we also have a link to our fairly new Facebook page. So everybody that's listening out there, if you're on Facebook, definitely become a fan and uh, boost our numbers. And Awesome. Yes. And let's see. I'll become a fan. Excellent. <laughs> Jackie's Jackie's gonna become a fan. Now if Jackie's gonna Woo! become a fan, everybody out there has to become a fan. Yes, yes. Join the Facebook group. We're also listed on iTunes. Just do a search for Lantern Cast and I am Choanada on the forums. Dan, who is not here right now, is Gland on the forums. And Jackie, thank you very much for becoming our very first guest host on the Lantern Cast. Woo! Well, thank you for having me. This is a lot of fun. And thank you so much. We hope to have you back on again sometime. Great. And uh, love it. Okay. Thank you for listening to Lantern Cast. So long, everybody. Bye. Why'd you ever have to read between the lines?